Hi guys, it's Miss Stanton. So today and tomorrow, I'm going to be reading the book called The Poet's Dog. It's by Patricia McLaughlin. And so I'm going to be reading part one today and then part two tomorrow. So I hope you enjoy the book. Chapter One, Lost and Found. I found the boy at dusk. The blizzard was fierce and it would soon be dark. I could barely see him with the snow blowing sideways. He stood at the edge of the icy pond, shivering. He had no hat and his blonde hair was plastered to his head. Suddenly a limb cracked and fell down next to him. And when he jumped to one side, he saw me coming through the drifts of snow toward him. I nosed him gently. He wasn't afraid of me. He was afraid of the storm. I could see tear streaks on his face. He led me to his sister, crouched under a big tree, a blanket wrapped around her. She was younger, maybe eight. The boy pulled the blanket more tightly around her. I nosed her too. When she stood up, my eyes looked into hers. I would take care of them. I'm a dog. I should tell you that right away. But I grew up with words. A poet named Sylvan found me at the shelter and took me home. He laid down a red rug for me by the fire, and I grew up to the clicking of his keyboard as he wrote. He wrote all day, and he read to me. He read Shakespeare, James Joyce, Wadsworth, Natalie Babbitt, and Billy Collins. He read me Charlotte's Web, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Morning Girl, and my favorite story, Oxcart Man. So I saw how words follow one another and felt the comfort of them. I understand words, but there are only two who understand me when I speak. Sylvan once told me this. Poets and children, said Sylvan, we are the really we are the same really. When you can't find a poet, find a child. Remember that. Remember that. The boy held on to my body to help him stand in the wind. Help, he said. I knew what his words meant. Sylvan taught me about rescue. I would save them the way Sylvan had saved me. The boy took his sister's hand and they followed me. We hurried through the woods, past the big rock, down the path by the shed where I had slept after Sylvan was gone. It had only been three days I had learned to count. Day and night one. Day and night two. Day and night three. Or was it four days? Being alone confuses the truth about time. Sylvan's poetry students took turns feeding me. Ellie, my favorite, knew that I couldn't sleep in the house with Sylvan gone. She would have taken me home with her, but she knew I couldn't leave either. The boy put his head hand on my neck. It felt good to me. Sylvan used to walk in the woods with his hand on my neck. Sometimes he spoke in poems. I felt like crying. But here's another truth. Dogs can't cry. We can feel sadness and grief, but we can't cry. Where are we going? The girl asked, her clear voice like a bell. The wind whipped through her hair across her face. Home, I said, speaking for the first time. She wasn't surprised I spoke. She put her face close to my ear so I could feel her warm breath. Thank you, she whispered. I wished I could cry. Chapter 2, Home we reached the clearing, struggling through the snow and wind. Oh, said the girl when she saw the cabin. There was a light in the window. Sylvan had kept it on all the nights and days we lived together. It's our beacon, he told me. I knew the door wouldn't be locked. I nosed the lever on the door open. Sylvan had given me the lever so that I could go in and out as I wanted. We stepped out on the 
out of the howling of the wind into the quiet. The boy and girl stripped off their coats and I sh shook snow from my fur. I'm Flora, said the girl. I'm cold. My blanket is wet. He's Nickel, she added, pointing to her brother. I'm Nicholas, he said. Flora calls me Nickel. I'm Teddy, I said. I like Nickel. It was dark except for the one beacon light. Nickel turned on two lamps. Can you build a fire? I asked him. There's wood and kindling on the hearth. He nodded. I'm almost 12. Flora hung up her coat on a hook by the door. Why are you lost? I asked. The car slid into a snowbank and my mother couldn't get it started again, said Flora. Nickel had stacked kindling and wood in the fireplace. He found the matches on the mantle. She left her cell phone at home. She saw the lights of the house down the road where a family had been shoveling and left us to get help, he said. She was gone a long time, said Flora. We could have stayed in the car, but people came and knocked on the car windows telling us the car was going to be towed off the road before it got covered with snow, said Nickel. Flora was scared. Nickel was scared too, said Flora, making Nickel smile. Then the flames of the fire flickered across the room, warming us. The fire, the first fire in days. Flora walked over to Sylvan's computer, touching it. I can almost see Sylvan there in the light of the fire, his hair gray like mine, on his head and on his face. Later, when I learn words, I know that this was called a beard. I remember when I first spoke words to him. He had read Oxcart Man to me several times before he knew I loved it. Oxcart Man is a poem, I say, my own voice startling me. Sylvan turns from his computer beaming. Yes! Tears come to his eyes, and I walked over to lick him. Sylvan reached up and takes a small mirror off the wall. He holds it to, so both of us can look into it. Same hair, same eyes. We both think in words, says Sylvan. I'm the poet. You're the dog. Which one's the poet? Which one's the dog? That isn't a poem, Teddy. That's our song. Sylvan makes up a tune for it and sings it to me every so often. I'd better call my dad. He's probably out of class because of the storm, said Nickel. No phone, I said. Sylvan didn't like phones. No phone, he repeated. No. The computer? No, only for Sylvan's writing. He didn't connect it to the outside world. He only used it for his words. And no television. He has, he had, a device for checking the weather. We can look for that later. My parents will be worried, said Nickel. I wrote a note, said Flora. I left it on the front seat so Mama would know we had help. Nickel stared at Flora. You? You wrote a note? Flora nodded. I can write, you know. I wrote, we're safe, in big letters. No one spoke. Flora shrugged. I made it up. I think I forgot the apostrophe. You are safe, I said. You didn't make that up. You did a great thing, Flora, said Nickel. Maybe Mom won't worry. I only did one thing, said Flora. You saved me. You wrapped me in a blanket. You got me out of the cold car. Nickel shook his head. Teddy saved us. Maybe it was you who found Teddy, said Flora stubbornly. We found each other, I said. The end. Flora grinned at me. A log in the fireplace flamed up. The light bounced off the walls like Sylvan's words when he read out loud. Flora went over to look at pictures of Sylvan. There was one of him surrounded by students in the house, and one of Sylvan and me, our heads close together. Flora turned. That's you, she said, after Sylvan saved me. Flora turned back to the picture. Did someone leave you behind before Sylvan rescued you? Yes. Like us, she said, still looking at the picture. Nickel turned from the fireplace, his face sad. 
She didn't leave us, Flora. She went to get help for us, he said. Children tell tiny truths, Sylvan told me once. Poets try to understand them. It was Flora who told tiny truths. It was Nickel who found them hard to hear. He didn't want to think of his mother leaving them for a long time in a fierce storm. A log crackled and sent sparks out past the stone hearth. Nickel swept them back. It was the way it used to be. Flora stared at me. Somehow I knew what she was thinking. It would be Flora who would ask the question. So where is he? She asked. Sylvan. Her voice was soft. The question was not unkind, but I couldn't answer. I walked to the window and looked out. Flora didn't follow me. Chapter 3. The Way It Used to Be We found cans of food. Sylvan's favorite, baked beans with molasses and chicken soup and crackers. No milk. I don't like milk anyway, said Flora. The wind picked up suddenly and the crackling and fire and falling of tree limbs shook the cabin. The lights flickered and we found an oil lamp in case the power went out. You can sleep in Sylvan's bed, I said. I want to sleep with you in front of the fire, said Nickel. Me too, said Flora. We gathered pillows and blankets in Sylvan's old green sleeping bag. The wind grew stronger. A large thump of a big tree limb fell outside. The lights went off, then on, then off again. I lay on the red rug. Flora slept right away. After a while, Nickel turned and put his arm around me, the way it used to be. In the night, I got up once to push up the door lever with my nose and go outside into the wind. Nickel raised his head. Where are you going? His voice sounded frightened. I'm going to pee, I said. I heard Flora's sleepy, comforting voice in the dark. He's a dog, Flora said softly. Oh, right, said Nickel. I keep forgetting that. I came back to my red rug next to Nickel. His arm went around me again. Sometimes I forget too, I said to Nickel. Chapter 4, Gray Cat Gone Away In the morning, the wind still howled. The snow was halfway up the windows on either side of the door and still falling hard. When I opened the door to go outside, the snow was over my head. I couldn't get through. Nickel had... Leaned the snow shovel inside the night before, and he shoveled a path through the drifts for me. I leaped through the snow. Back inside, I shook the snow off of the, on the rug by the door. Thank you, Nickel, I said. His hair was plastered to his head. He looked the same way he did when I first found him. Flora still sleeps by the fire. I found the weather box and listened, he said. The storm will last four days. No one is allowed on the roads. No phone service. No cell phone service working either. The power went off and on all night, I said. We only lost power for hours once that I remember, though. It is a windy afternoon storm. Sylvan's class of poets sit in a group. There's a fire in the fireplace. I lie on the red rug listening. The students who want to be poets are eager and fresh, like washed apples. Sylvan and I are the only ones with gray, grizzled hair. They know so little about life, Sylvan whispers to me as he puts out plates of cookies and seltzer bottles. Maybe they just don't know what they know, I say, making Sylvan smile. They all pat me. Students are always kind to their teacher's pets, Sylvan has told me. One young boy reads a poem about a farmer walking his animal to town. I sit up. It sounds like Oxcart Man. Sylvan nods when he's done reading. What do you think, Teddy? He asks. The students laugh. Shallow and derivative, I say before I realize that I'm talking. No one but Sylvan hears me, of course. It has been written a different way, Dan, says Sylvan. Go read Oxcart Man. 
A thin, nervous girl, Ellie, reads a poem about her lost love. Sylvan taps his foot nervously. I know he hates it. Ellie, have you lost a love? Sylvan asks her. When she's finished reading, she shakes her head. There are tears in her eyes. I get up from the red rug and go stand next to Ellie. Her lips tremble. What have you lost? asks Sylvan. What are you really talking about in this poem? I leaned against Ellie and she put her arm around me. My cat, she whispers. She's crying full out now and I glare at Sylvan. I curled my lip at him. He looks at me and his face softens. Ellie, says Sylvan softly. Write about your cat, dear girl. And the lights go out. Ellie's tears making the rough of my neck wet in the dark room. You were not kind to her, I tell Sylvan later. He sighs. I know sometimes writers are not thoughtful of other writers. We want to be inspired, cranky when we're not. But trust me, she will write a wonderful poem about her cat. And she does. It's called Gray Cat Gone Away. It ends in moonlight. No. Soft, sweet paw on my cheek. No. For curled under my chin, just a sad space left behind. Gray cat gone away. Chapter 5. Full of sorrow, full of joy. There was no silence in the cabin, even at night. The wind was like a wild song that pushed away the quiet. The power had gone off and on and off and on many times. We cooked up many things from the freezer to be heated in the fireplace later. We stored the cooked food in coolers outside in the snow. Today, Flora cooked soup on the stove, stirring it as she read a book. This is you, Teddy, she called to me. When I walked over to the stove, I saw she was reading a book on Irish wolfhound dogs. A tall dog like me was on the cover. You're much better looking, I must say, said Flora. If I could smile, I would have. Did you know that your ancestors were warriors, she said, peering over the book at me? So Sylvan told me, I said. Your great-grandfather or great-grandmother may have pulled so soldiers off their horses with their teeth, said Flora. I myself have never done that, I said, making Nickel laugh. It says here you have a kindly, a kindly disposition, said Flora. Does it say he's a best friend, asked Nickel, tossing wood in the fire. Flora lowered the book and stirred the soup, tossing in some herbs from a small jar. Yes, she announced, it does, and often the Irish wolfhound loves children and cats. I have met a cat or two that I liked, I said. We have a cat at home, said Flora. It is a spitter, I asked. Is it a spitter, I asked. Flora gave me an insulted look. She is not a spitter. A sudden sweep of whim sent snow against the cabin. Outside a limb fell. We all looked up. This is lasting a long time, said Nickel. The batteries for the weather box are getting low, and I don't know how to charge them. But the storm is expected to last for a few more days. Good, said Flora. I like it here. I like it here, too, said Nickel. As long as there's wood to burn and food to eat. He paused. As long as Mom and Dad aren't worried. Remember, I wrote a note, said Flora. There's wood in the shed, I said. If we can get there, said Nickel. And food in the pantry, said Flora. I like it here, too, I said said suddenly. I do. Sylvan types on his computer, sometimes smiling, sometimes frowning and muttering to himself. I sit up on the red rug and yawn my yawn that ends with a squeak. He looks over at me. Being a writer is not easy, you know. It is now that I think of it, either full of sorrow or full of joy. Like being a dog, I say. 
Sylvan turns his chair and peers at me. I should take my own advice to Ellie and write about what I love. Sylvan pauses. I'll write about you. The way Ellie wrote about her cat, I ask? Yes, says Sylvan. He turns back to his computer and writes furiously. Ellie is a poet, you know, he says. At long last, the next time she sees you, you'll hear, she'll hear you speak. I know, I said, yawning. The peal of laughter from Sylvan fills the room. After a moment, he laughs more at what he's writing. He coughs a bit at the same time. He has a bottle of medicine and a spoon on his desk. He pours some in the spoon. His cheeks are a little flushed. After a few minutes, he gets up, closes the cover of his computer, and lies down on the couch. The cough stays with him through the night. It is the beginning of Sylvan getting sick. Chapter 6, Something Good. Day 3 in the cabin during a horrific storm. Nickel read dramatically from his notebook. Flora is rummaging through the refrigerator like a hungry weasel, searching for something mysterious and possibly poisonous. Nickel wrote silently in his notebook every day and had just begun reading his views of our life in the cabin. His writing is funny, sly, and sometimes poignant. Sylvan had taught me the word poignant. It may be the most important thing in poetry, Sylvan tells me. Sylvan would have said that, that Nickel had style. Not once had Nickel asked to use Sylvan's computer. The silver computer sat silently on his desk, cover closed. There was something final about that. Sylvan closes his laptop computer with a snap. The end. Dunno. The loud word dunno causes me to leap up from a sound sleep. Sylvan grins at me and brings a pillow over to my red rug. He lies down next to me, one arm around me. Because I'm a dog with a good nose and fine ears, I can hear that he is not breathing easily. He doesn't have the same Sylvan smell that I know. You should go to the vet, I tell him. The doctor, he corrects me. Yes. Ellie is driving me to the doctor tomorrow. You can have a nice talk with her. His grin is huge. Flora had become the cook, inventing meals that looked terrible but surprised us by tasting good. I lap up her soups noisily and the liquid first, then eating whatever she had added at the end. That's a much better way to eat soup than with a spoon, said Nickel. Peanut butter is very hard, I told him, trying to get it off the roof of my mouth. It's not like, it's not because I'm a girl that I... It's not because I'm a girl that I can cook, Flora explained. I like it. It's the herbs, like science. When I grow up and have 27 cats and dogs and become a horse trainer, I will have a large collection of herbs. Nickel laughed, the cheerful sound cutting through the constant noise of the wind outside. It reminded me of Sylvan's laugh. I will find a horse. You just watch, said Flora, turning on the oven. And she will, said Nickel. Nickel and I went outside to the shed while Flora cooked whatever invention she cooked. It was still hard to get through the wind and drifts. We both ran with our heads down. When we reached the shed, we opened the door and shut it behind us. The shed smelled like the sweet smell of cut wood. It was strangely warm and quiet. Nickel leaned against the wood pile for a moment. This is where you slept after Sylvan left, he said, nodding at the pile of gray blankets behind the wood pile. Yes. You didn't want to sleep in the house alone? No. Were you warm enough? Most nights. Nickel sighed. But what will happen to you after Flora and I go home? I didn't answer. After a moment, Nickel started loading wood into the log carrier. Just before we opened the door to fight our way back to the cabin, Nickel turned. 
Something good will happen. I know after all, you once had Sylvan, he said. He said it with a tone. When we were out in the snow and wind again, walking quickly, Nickel suddenly touched my hand. Look, in the clearing close to the woods stood a deer, the color of dawn, watching us. A sign of something good, said Nickel. We hurried on, and when we both looked back, the deer was gone. Chapter 7, Going Away I told them in the morning I didn't want to tell them at night. Night could bring dreams. We were eating pancakes that Flora had made without milk, strange and grainy and wonderful, with lots of maple syrup. I licked the syrup off first, then ate the pancake in small bites. Nickel watched me and ate his pancakes the same way. It made Flora laugh. Nickel had found the cord to charge the weather box. More days of bad weather. Ice is possible before the storm ends. The roads will be cleared after two days. Things will open again. Electricity will be back on in most places. So, I said suddenly, Sylvan got very sick. I hadn't meant to say it right out like that. Nickel put down his fork. Flora opened her mouth, but the first time since I'd known her, no words came out. You didn't think he'd just gone away and left me, did you? I asked. After all, I've told you about him. Flora shook her head, still silent. I could see tears in the edges of Nickel's eyes. That's the story, I said. He got sick. Ellie comes to drive Sylvan to the doctor. The day is sunny, and she walks into the house without knocking. Hello, Teddy, she says. She puts her head down next to mine and hugs me. Hello, Ellie, I say. She grins. I can hear you, she says happily. You're a poet, I say. Sylvan comes into the living room dressed in a tweed jacket over a blue shirt. His eyes are as blue as the shirt. Did I hear you two talking, he asks slyly. Yes, said Ellie. I'm wondering if my dog Billy will talk to me when I get home. No, says Sylvan, but don't worry. You'll have many hours to read to him. Ellie sighs. No, Billy is more of a sleeper, she says. I'll drive, says Sylvan, who since I've known him has only ridden a bike. Ellie is no fool. Do you have a driver's license, she asks. No, he's a poet, I say, making Ellie laugh. I'm driving, says Ellie. You can sit next to me and roll out your lovely words. Ellie strokes my head. Do you mind to ride in the car with us, she asks. I'll wait here, I say. I don't want to leave the house. I'm afraid that if I leave, somehow everything may change. I walk outside and watch them drive off in Ellie's small red car, going away. Okay, so that's the end of part one. I will be back tomorrow to finish up the book with you.